Well, hello and welcome to the fourth of our CSF podcast focusing specifically on psoriatic arthritis. Uh, we'll be bringing you new episodes on a bi-monthly basis as well as our AXPA podcast. And we'll also be supplying you with monthly slide decks to help keep you up to date with the latest research and publications in the field of psoriatic arthritis. Um, I'm Professor Ian McInnes from the University of Glasgow and today I'm joined by uh, Dr. Frank Behrens from Goethe University. Frank, over to you. Yeah, uh, thank you, Ian. Um, yeah, great. So we have papers available covering today's topical discussion, uh, a little bit related to youth uh, novel therapies um, and how they fit to the treatment algorithm and uh, in comparison to other products who are already on the market. Our first paper seeks to examine the efficacy and safety of uh, Ixikizumab in patients with PSA and psoriatic skin disease. And our second paper today will highlight the, yeah, let's say, comparative efficacy of multiple treatments in psoriatic arthritis. Um, and of course, they are not focusing only on a head-to-head -head trial, they are focusing on a network meta-analysis. And I think you are part of the other team, but I have the honor to, to demonstrate the outcome of this month. And, and that can only go badly for me, Frank. So a, <laughs> a man of your great intellect looking at our work is giving me concern right now. But hey, over to you. So look, why don't I talk about the first paper and then we'll 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 think about what it means. So the, the title of this particular paper, Efficacy and Safety of Ixikizumab versus Adalimumab in Biologic Naive Patients with active psoriatic arthritis and moderate to severe psoriasis. Remember the combination of the two 52-week results from the randomized spirit head-to-head -head trial from Reich and colleagues. Well, a little bit background here. I think everyone is, is, is aware that successful treatment of both the joint and skin domains is vital if we're going to achieve the right outcomes for our patients with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. Um, and the, the whole concept of only treating one part of a patient is very last century. And for patients with an inadequate response to conventional synthetic DMARs, the ULAR and uh, European Dermatology Forum recommend the use of biologics targeting inflammatory cytokines. As higher rates of skin clearance have been observed for the 17A inhibitors as compared with TNF inhibitors, the comparative efficacy of these biologics in people with concurrent PSA and moderate to severe psoriasis is clearly something that we're all interested in. And we have seen um, some of these data before. We saw them uh, with the, the earlier time point. And what we get to look at now is the 52-week data, which in many respects is a more relevant time point for those of us in practice. We don't see someone in, a, in clinic with a chronic disease and say, well, I, I want to see what you're, you're, you're going to be like in three months, and then I wash my hands of you. So th these are relevant uh, data to our, our clinical life. So the, um, the, the key headline results, well, first of all, more ixikizumab uh, as compared with adalimumab-treated patients simultaneously achieved PASI 100 and ACR 50 at week 24. We knew that already. And week 52. So week 24, it was give or take 41% as opposed to 17.5% uh, for ixikizumab, adalimumab respectively. And at week 52, 39% versus, again, 17.5% uh, with the ixikizumab versus adalimumab. Now, note well, combination of a PASI 100, so that's clearance of skin, and an ACR 50, which is a sensible high hurdle musculoskeletal response. 
Now, um, similarly, more ixekizumab versus adalimumab treated patients achieved PASI 100 and PASI 90 through week 52 and nail psoriasis clearance at week 24. The joint symptom improvements were comparable between groups and no new safety findings were reported. Let me just repeat that. The joint symptom, that's the musculoskeletal compartment, they were the same, which is kind of interesting. So let's, let's take the conclusions. Um, Ixikizumab, higher efficacy than adalimumab in simultaneous achievement of ACR50 and PASI100 at week 24, and now we know at week 52 also. And the uh, ICSI-treated patients showed higher response rates for nail clearance and reporting minimal or no impact on quality of life at week 24. So um, Interesting data. I'm not hugely surprised, uh, Frank, about these. They're, they're, I think they're what I would have expected. What about you? How, how do you feel about this? No, I, I, I remember very well when these two heteroheads came on the market, which is the XE and the heterohead. We had a lively discussion about a new creative endpoint combining mm. ACR 50 plus uh, a PASI 100, knowing that at least one of these uh, combined endpoint parameters are already demonstrated to be superior. So um, on the one hand side, I would say it's not surprising, to be honest. So we had these head-to-head -head in skin psoriasis anyway. We have, I think, a clear ranking in the skin psoriasis outcome right now. So showing that the 23s and 17s are at the top. Uh, and then we can discuss whether Weimar is a little bit superior to X or Seco, but nevertheless, we have a ranking uh, up to down to Eternocept as the weakest skin biological approved for PSA and psoriasis. But uh, yeah, on the other hand, uh, what's wrong if you can promise a patient that complete, complete skin, skin uh, 50% reduction musculoskeletal is superior in one product compared to the other, um, so I have a kind of two views on it. I think it was an elegant selected endpoint, to be mm -hmm. honest, uh, with no surprise. But nevertheless, the message for a patient, at least in cells with substantial skin involvement, is a clear message. So the probability to achieve remission on skin at, and at least 50% reduction in musculoskeletal is higher in the uh, exit. Uh, but to be honest, I think if you analyze it, these data of the, of the exceed study in the same way, it will come up in a comparable result. Yeah, I, I, I think those are really fair remarks. I, I, I've got to be honest, when I looked at this um, combined primary outcome at the very first, when I looked at it in clinicaltrials.gov, if I'm honest, I thought it was a little bit, um, I, I thought it was an interesting choice of primary because as you very wisely point out, we already knew that one of the drugs could beat the other drugs in one of the tissue compartments that was part of the primary. On the other hand, to be completely fair to the study, you know, we're trying to treat all of the tissue domains in our patients. So, and I guess what I would love to see now is maybe, and I know this is not what the MDA, minimal disease activity, was ever really designed for, but starting to set that up as an outcome, a primary outcome, and then see how we get there with these highly effective therapies across different tissue domains that for me would be very very interesting indeed and to be fair it's in there in this analysis but maybe what we'd like to see in future is just to guide us in those you know targeted therapeutics and of course we 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 also have to think about the, the, the arrival of targeted synthetic DMARs, the JAK inhibitors. Now, let's leave aside controversies about their relative safety. 
you know, the kind of young patients with psoriatic arthritis, I think that's probably an irrelevant discussion or largely irrelevant discussion at the moment. So yeah, interesting study. Nice to see the sustained responses. Um, uh, any surprise for you in the sustained nature of the responses? I mean, they, things have stayed reasonably re robust, maybe dropping just a little, and that slight <laughs> downwards. We've seen that quite a lot with the 17 inhibitors, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, I think it was important to see now these 52 weeks data uh, properly because, again, combining two different studies, the EXCEED study had some primary endpoint at week 52, for example, um, um, and, 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 and they have it earlier. And I think uh, the value of, of these studies is that they were already performed. Uh, and, and I think I, it, the value of the studies for me, to be honest, is independent from the primary endpoint. I think uh, it's absolutely okay that a company tries to figure out an endpoint which emphasizes the strengths of the product which were already known. So nobody is going to, to the board of directors and say, come on, I, I do a clinical head-to-head -head with a comparable product and I have no idea whether I can beat them or not. Uh, but <laughs> the chance to get this uh, study on the street is higher if you have an elegant endpoint. I think that's fair, but I think there's so many data and they are doing a lot of analysis step-by-step step following the primary endpoint to better understand the value of the individual product. And I think that's fair. And uh, you, you pointed out maybe the discussion about loss of efficacy over time, secondary loss of response. I think most of these uh, discussions are driven by the DERMs, uh, specifically with the with the Eclipse study where SECU in psoriasis were compared to Ecuselco, where you see that uh, in a long run, uh, the line is a little bit dropping in SECU while in Guzelkumab it's running on the same 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 level. So yeah, it's important to have these one-year data and, and, and don't see a robust loss of response. That's an important message for the long-standing disease, yeah. Yeah, spot on. And, and of course, the, the other thing we should be celebrating here is that this is a head-to-head -head trial. Yeah, and we, we've been really short of head-to-head -head trials in rheumatology in general. Yeah, yeah. this is why my next paper isn't head-to-head. Uh, -head absolutely, and, and and actually, I'm just I'm going to just we're, I'm going to hold you back for ten seconds before we because actually that's really precisely what the next paper is about. But worth just reminding our audience that it's not the only head-to-head -head trial we have in the literature. We also have the Exceed study where we uh, compared secukinumab and adalimumab and pretty much superimposable results. Uh, we that 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 was a that was an interesting study in that the primary outcome was at one year, yeah. which is a very interesting design. Um, actually, quite a risky design for the investigators. I was one of them, so I, I'm happy to declare that. But uh, I, I think what is quite reassuring is that two different study populations, at the same general entry criteria, but two different populations treated 17A versus TNF inhibition, and the results are essentially the same. We, we, we see superiority for the 17A mode of action when we are combining skin and musculoskeletal outcomes, and in the musculoskeletal compartment, broadly similar results for 17A and TNF inhibition. But, um, so it, and it's really great that we have these head-to-head -head data. However, the truth is, Frank, we don't have head-to-head -head data for quite a lot of the modes of action, and that does bring us very nicely to our second paper. So yeah. I, I'm getting terribly tired. So why don't you take over now and and tell our tell our audience all about the um, about the next paper from Philip Mees and his colleagues. Over to you, sir. So yeah, thanks. Uh, hopefully, you are not too tired to listen a little bit to these uh, data because you are a co-author. Um, yeah, network meta-analysis. So what does it mean? So it, Normally, it's always the same. This is done when missing head-to-head -head data. And, and I think um, as we as Germans are uh, automotive 
company uh, country I always compare it to to car races so the method is always if a Ferrari drives against a golf in a, in a, in a race circus and we're looking whether what's the distance between the Ferrari and the golf and then next day a Lamborghini is driving against or an Aston Martin because I have people from from the island uh, tries against the golf and then we're looking for the, the, the time difference between the golf and the Aston Martin but the challenge is always and one day we have wet course, another one we have a dry course. Uh, um, it's raining, it's sunny, it's morning, it's evening. Um, brilliant and, analogy. I intend to steal that. That's a brilliant analogy. I like that. Yeah, That's fine. yeah. it's not allowed to steal it. It's, no, uh, for sure. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll attribute it to you. Yeah, it's it's definitely the same goal, but the temperature of the tires is different, and all these things. And I think that's a weakness if you don't have direct head-to-head. Uh, this has to be in mind, but of course there is in, in these uh, variants and meta-analyzes, there's a lot of tricks, let's say, to, to deal a little bit with these differences, but nevertheless, these changes and differences between Monday and Friday, race, course, uh, the situation on different days and all these things has to keep in mind to understand um, the wind is different. This is why Placebo or the Golf uh, is sometimes faster than in the other case. So, that's, that's my very stupid uh, explanation what a network meta analysis might be. But nevertheless, we can understand and everybody would believe that both Ferrari and Lamborghini might be faster than the Golf. So, um, and, but now in daily practice, we have to choose. Uh, neither the Eulaar recommendation nor the Krapper recommendation give you a clear hierarchic order what kind of product, what kind of targeted synthetic or biologic should be chosen if you fail a previous therapy. Uh, and of course, this is what we have to do. Therefore, it helps us to understand in this paper titled, um, titled Comparative Effectiveness of Guselcomab in Psoriatic Arthritis Update on a Systematic Literature Review and Network Meta Analysis by Philip Mieset and colleagues uh, addressing this issue. Uh, and of course, a lot of Janssen people are part of the author list. Uh, of course, there is an uh, idea why to do it, uh, but the method is clearly described, therefore, uh, we can trust what we can see with all these caveats I mentioned earlier uh, um, uh, during my presentation. So um, we have a role of randomized clinical trials, and you mentioned it uh, already that we have limited head-to-head -head trials. We have only the UPA, in addition to the UPA Citilib trial with Adalimumab, where you were allowed to make a statistic analysis as a direct comparison and not having only a comparator arm. Uh, but that's it. Um, and, um, there are some, some uh, network meta analyzers out already in the past from Guselcomab, um, but they are missing data from, uh, from Resentizumab and you participated uh, included. And this is the update, so to say. Um, and the objective of this network meta analysis is exactly what I mentioned, expand the analysis with new targeted therapies and new biologicals, and not only focusing on ACR, but also including skin efficacy and safety. And in this uh, analysis, also radiographic inhibition of radiographic progression uh, to compare it uh, with all these uh, available products. So what came out, you all know, there are a huge number of trials out um, against placebo, though we have uh, the PALUS program from Apremilas, we have the Keepsake program from Ustekita, from, from Rizankizumab, we have the Summit program from Uste, uh, and so on, this cover program from Guselkumab, and not only UPA and RISA is now newly included in this analysis, but also the Cosmos trial data from Guselkumab, another reason to update the previous published uh, analysis. So what the outcome for ACR20, Guselkumab 100 milligram every eight and every four weeks were comparable, 
to most other agents, uh, including Visa and Kizomov and Yupa, and sub-Q, TNF. Why sub-Q? Because in all these analyses, IV Golimumab is included, uh, which uh, has outstanding good results in many domains, but I think it's not widely used uh, uh, um, uh, in daily practice. But this is why I mentioned sub-Q uh, TNF inhibitors. Uh, and it's comparable to most of the IL-17 inhibitors. So for PASI-90, Gosecumab uh, were better than multiple agents, including sub-Q, TNF, and check inhibitors. And for uh, inhibition of radiographic progression, Fundahide sharp score, Gosecumab um, was uh, every eight weeks was similar to Reza, while Gosecumab uh, every four weeks was better. So why is this pointed out specifically? Uh, maybe most of you were aware that Gosecumab every eight week missed the endpoint to be superior in inhibition of radiographic progression against placebo while every four weeks met. Uh, and this is interesting. This is why we have these kind of, let's say, interval flexibility, uh, because in those with a high risk of progression, we were allowed to do it every four weeks. Um, and I think this definition can be done by the physician because we have no stringent criteria that it must be 20 erosions or CRP or whatever. Um, this is why it's uh, stated here. So the eight weeks is comparable to Lisa, and the every four weeks Gusecumab was a little bit superior, and the four weeks met the criteria as an endpoint in the clinical trial, while every eight weeks not. So the skin efficacy, in conclusion, is higher. That's what we expected as well. Um, we have robust data on the inhibition of radiographic progression in Gusecumab comparable to others. Despite the fact that the every eight weeks didn't meet uh, the superiority uh, in, to placebo in the clinical trial, um, and uh, both the Zegumab doses demonstrated a comparable ACR responses uh, to most other uh, agents, uh, including the new integrated uh, products like UPA and Rizantizumab. Yeah, and I think the safety profile is, is very good for Gosegumab. That's what we already learned. Uh, what we already learned from Ustekinumab, uh, that this mode of action seems to be very safe. Yeah, and, and uh, maybe this network meta-analysis might help us to understand the value of Gusecumab, despite the fact that we are missing a head-to-head trial. Yeah, and over to you, Ian. Yeah, no, Frank, thank you. That's a brilliant synthesis. Um, I, love, I really do love your analogy, this idea that... The, 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 and these meta-analysis approaches, the, there are strengths and weaknesses. The, the, the principal strength is that this is a validated methodology. It comes mainly from the health economic literature. Yep. And it, it relies on the performance and behavior of the placebo group, which in your analogy is the, is the Volkswagen Golf. By the way, the Volkswagen Golf is a very good car, just in case there are any Volkswagen drivers listening. It's a great car. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, Absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's a good family car, probably more comfortable than a Ferrari. But the point here, of course, is that, you know, you, you have the, the idea of outperforming the placebo and the distance by which you outperform a placebo then allows you to make these cross-drug comparisons. Um, we have a fair degree of consistency in the way in which we recruit clinical trial populations over the last 10 years. Uh, we've seen a little bit of drift. Um, we, we're, we're seeing slightly less severe disease activity, although actually it's held up pretty well in the PSA space, maybe more so even than in, than in rheumatoid. And as such, I think this should be taken as indicative rather than as fact. So when you're in the clinic and you've got a patient, you have a range of MOAs available to you. You look at the EULAR guidelines, uh, EULAR recommendations rather, uh, or the GRAPA guidelines, you say, look, this is what I've got in front of me. Uh, 
okay, well, as a meta-analysis, this is probably at least as good a choice as the other. And if you put these two studies together that we've talked about today, Frank, I think there's now a clear line of sight in a patient who's got severe skin disease and musculoskeletal disease. I think we are definitely there thinking about 17A inhibitors and P19 inhibitors. Whereas if there is sort of, we're a bit neutral around the skin and it's musculoskeletal, well then I think the, 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 you're definitely thinking about the possibilities of a, a TNF inhibitor, or for that matter, by the way, a targeted synthetic DMAR, a, a JAK inhibitor. So. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't and I wouldn't put too much more emphasis in this study beyond that. This is a it's giving us confidence as clinicians, but it doesn't have the power of a head to head trial. Exactly. I, I, I don't know what your thoughts are, because clearly I'm an author here, so I have a conflict of interest in the methodology. So I, I'm happy to be criticized as ever. Yeah, no, no, I think you're absolutely right. Um, and my question in daily practice is how do we define a relevant skin involvement? driving our decision towards 217 and P19. Um, I'm so excited and, and a little bit confused and surprised by the derms. So I think they mainly skipped TNF completely for their armamentarium, at least in Germany. So um, they, they, if this is a, an indication for systemic therapy with biologics, why should I waste time for TNF inhibitor with a relatively weak uh, uh, response? Um, but to be honest, in rheumatology setting, with all the musculoskeletal domains, we have no strong arguments not to do a biosimilar TNF or TNF anyway. Absolutely. Um, because in all the trials, in the head-to-head -head as well in the network meta-analysis, uh, it is comparable effect size. The, yeah. only, the only superiority in musculoskeletal domains, uh, as far as I know, is indeed the UPART 30 milligram, which is not licensed uh, to use, against TNF. It's the only mode of action where I have ever seen a really significant superiority in an ACR20 response compared to adalimumab in this uh, uh, phase three trial where it was allowed to calculate the differences of the different arms. Yeah. But in the 30, in the 15, we are definitely not inferior of UPA, but, but that's it. Uh, for all the others, the skin domain is a game and the driver for decision. And, and what I learned in the past from the Durham's that an absolute party is no longer what, what they're looking for to understand the severity. So I was really surprised to see data that a DLQI of one or two, which is no relevant impact on life quality based on skin, this is what DLQI is, 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 is measuring, it can only be achieved when you have a clear or almost clear skin. Means what patients are expecting from us treating psoriatic disease, not only arthritis, if we name it psoriatic disease, uh, with the skin means they want to achieve a almost clear, clear skin independent from the absolute party. And this, I think this has to be taken into account by, by No, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's lovely to see that our dermatology colleagues are now as ambitious as we are in rheumatology to really get our patients to that minimal or very low disease activity state. So thank you. Frank, as ever, I've learned such a great deal from you. I love chatting to you. I always go away from these podcasts knowing more than I did at the beginning. So I'm very grateful to you. And, and of course, to all of the, those of you who have joined us for this PSA podcast brought to you by the CSF, we really do hope you've enjoyed it and found it useful. And of course, if you did, or actually, I suppose even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe to our channels on YouTube, SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcast from so that you won't miss any future episodes. And of course, if you want to read more about what we've discussed today, head over to cytokinesignaling.com. That's cytokinesignaling.com.
www.thepublicpapers.com. Um, you're going to find detailed summary slides of each of the papers, abstracts, and a ton of other really, really useful material. So thanks once again, Frank, to you for joining me and to you, our audience. I hope you found it useful and we're looking forward to seeing you next time around. Thanks ever so much. What a pleasure. Thank you.